Thanks. Open your Bibles, please, to the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 31, and we'll read together there in just a moment. And um, one of the many things I love about FPCO, and I love FPCO, but one of the many things I love is the opportunity to say thank you to those who serve in the military and all the ancillary groups around that. And uh, I, so one day, years ago now, uh, I was, we were in the service here, and we did the procession of the Patriots, and, um, and the Army song, some old guy stood up next to me, and looked around. my dad stood up. And you know how you think your dad is always old, and you know, that's just how you kind of, there was a time when he was young, and he served in the, uh, in the Army in our country, and I never once said thank you to my dad for serving. I never once thought this thanking for that and it just was one of those moments in my life just special for me and so I just want to say to those of you who have served or do serve thank you and I know it's hard sometimes and I know there's sacrifice involved and uh, thank you for your um, service to freedom freedom's not free and thank you for all you've done for us and I just wanted to say that on behalf of FPCO and uh, and me so God bless you let's open our Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 31, and I want to read there, beginning with verse 1. We'll read the first eight verses together. Follow along, if you would, please, as we read this great text. The Bible, the Bible says, sorry, I know it's, it's here. I'm just, here it is. Then Moses continued to speak these words to all Israel, saying, I'm now 120 years old. I can no longer act as your leader. The Lord has told me you will not cross the Jordan. The Lord your God is the one who will cross ahead of you. He will destroy these nations before you, and you will drive them out. Joshua is the one who will cross ahead of you, as the Lord has said. The Lord will deal with them as he did Sihon and Og, the kings of the Amorites, and their land when he destroyed them. The Lord will deliver them over to you, and you must do to them exactly as I have commanded you. Be strong and courageous. Don't be terrified or afraid of them. For the Lord your God is the one who will go with you. He will not leave you or abandon you. Moses then summoned Joshua and said to him in the sight of all Israel, Be courageous, strong and courageous, for you will go with this people into the land the Lord swore to give to their ancestors. You will enable them to take possession of it. The Lord is the one who will go before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or abandon you. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Well, this passage comes at a time when Israel's right on the brink of the promised land. You may remember in the history of Israel, they, they were enslaved in Egypt for a long period of time, and finally God provided for them, and they were taken out of captivity, and they wandered through the wilderness and came to, uh, in chapter 31 here, right to the brink of the promised land itself, and they're at a crossroads. Will we follow God or not? Will we obey God or not? Will we go forward in faith or not? And so I want to look at three questions that Israel needed to ask at that crossroads, and maybe some of you are at a crossroads in life where you're deciding the future, what you're going to be, what you're going to do, whether you're, you'll follow God or not, whether you'll go God's way or the world's way. Let's note some questions to ask at this crossroads. Number one, question number one, will we learn from the mistakes of the past? Will we learn from the mistakes of the past? It's a good question to ask ourselves, and God wants us to learn from the mistakes. Can I just remind you, all of us have mistakes in our past, all of us. The Bible reminds us that all of us here have sinned, all of us, we're all broken. We live in a fallen, broken world. We ourselves are fallen and broken. All of us have sinned against God. We're all in the same similar need of a Savior. 
all of us. We don't come here looking down on others and saying, you know, we, look how great we are and how bad they are. We come recognizing that we are sinners who needed the grace of the Lord Jesus, and he forgives and saves, and God can do that for other people as well. We recognize that we have all had mistakes in our past, but we can learn from them, and not everyone does. We can learn from the mistakes of history. So Moses here at the end of his life, 120 years old, he is not going to be able to cross into the promised land, and Joshua is going to cross, and he said to Joshua and to the people, remember your history. Remember years ago when we were coming to this point and we wanted to cross through the land of Sihon and Og, the kings of the Amorites. And we offered to pass through peacefully, but this is a nation who had rebelled against God and they said no to, to us. And God, because of that, judged them. Learn that lesson, he's saying. And really, the story of the people in that region who had disobeyed God, God brought judgment on them justly, rightly, he brought judgment upon them. And God is saying, I want you to learn the lessons of Sihon and Og and all the kings who have gone before. Learn the lessons of history. Man, God gives us his word filled with lessons to learn of people who have made mistakes. We don't just have to learn from our mistakes, but from the mistakes of those who have gone before us. And the Bible is filled with these stories. One of the reasons why we emphasize learning the Bible for yourself and reading the Bible on your own, because God teaches us through them. I love history. I know some of you maybe are not as history-oriented, but I was reading last week, I was reading a history book, as I want to do, and I was reading a book on the Civil War, and, and um, while I was reading that book uh, on that day um, came the news of the overturning of Roe versus Wade, which has been the law of the land for so long, and it, and it was overturned um, that day. So I was listening as people were arguing, and especially some who are arguing for abortion, and I could not help but, but, but think about the lessons I was reading in this history book. I was reading about um, the thoughts of slave owners in the South who said these people, are, they, they, these are my, this is my property, they said, despite the fact that there were people with separate DNA created in the image of God, but they are my property. That was the language that was used. They're my property. Dehumanizing. They're my property. And so I have every right to do whatever I want with my property. And I listened. As 160 years later, people would say, this, this is a woman's body, though. It has separate DNA created in the image of God. And I thought how seldom we learn from history these lessons that God looks at life differently than we look at it. Not as inconvenience, not as property, not as something just for my value, but God cares about that soul created in the image of God and how much that soul matters and how important that person is to the Lord. And so God allows us to learn the mistakes of history to our benefit. He allows us to learn from what others have done for our good. God cares about us learning these lessons because the the culture, listen, cultures are always changing. And if you get your cue from culture, you'll have to change as well. You'll have to decide what's right now will be considered wrong in the future and vice versa. It's changing all the time. But God tells us there's a standard of truth. And he has a, a right and wrong that he wants us to, to understand and to know. He wants us to build on a solid foundation. 
And so he tells us these lessons. He shows us the stories of those who have gone before us so that we'll learn the lessons of history. And we can learn from our own mistakes, not just from history, not just from the mistakes of others, but from our own mistakes. All of us brought mistakes with us to this place. We've all sinned against God. We've all gone our own way. We have a tendency towards self-centeredness, selfishness. By the way, Israel had been to this very point before. Forty years earlier, they came to the brink of the promised land. Did you, know, did you remember that story? They came to a place called Kadesh Barnea, right on the brink of the promised land. After leaving slavery, they came to the brink of the promised land. And though you leave slavery, there's a tendency for us, for us even though we can lose the, uh, leave the slavery of sin, and by the way, that's what sin is. It, is. it leads to bondage. It's not the goal of the enemy to make your life good and pleasant, but to make, put you in bondage. And though you can leave slavery, sometimes the slave mindset can stay and we can be set free from sin by the blood of Jesus Christ, by the salvation full and free in Christ, but we can keep the same old mindset of slavery to sin as though God doesn't set us free. And so 40 years earlier, Israel had been right at Kadesh Barnea and they sent 12 spies out, by the way, not to decide if they should obey God. God had already told them to take the promised land but to decide the best way to do it. And you, you may remember 10 of the spies came back with a bad report. And they said, listen, the land is exactly as God said. It's beautiful. It flows with milk and honey. But man, the people are too hard and too tough and too big. And there's no way we can do this. And so they turned back. A generation wandered in the wilderness under the judgment of the Lord because they, because they were unwilling to obey the Lord. And now 40 years later, their children are at this very same point learning the lessons of their own mistakes, having watched their parents go the wrong direction, learning those lessons again. Boy, there's something powerful about learning from your own mistakes. I don't know if you ever do this, but sometimes, you know, in the middle of the night, I'll get up sometimes, and, I'll, and I have stumped my toe on the corner of our bed. And may I say, respectfully, to whatever terrible pain you may have suffered, there is no greater pain in all the world than stubbing your toe on the corner of a bed in the middle of the night. No, but childbirth cannot compare to that. I don't know how bad it is. Losing a, having an arm severed or something, it cannot compare to this kind of pain. It's just, it's a horrendous pain in the middle of the night to stub your toe. And so I've done that. And boy, I, you know, when you do that, you get your attention. And unfortunately for me, I, though I'd done it, I did it a second time. And man, the second time was just as bad as the first, just as horrible, just as horrific. I mean, really, I don't know, have you had legs severed or something? I'm, I'm sure it's painful. It just can't compare to this sort of pain. And I, it has not happened a third time. Do you know why? Because I learned the lesson. Stubbing your toe on the corner of the bed is very, very painful. And yet, many who have, many have never learned the lesson, the spiritual lesson. They just keep stubbing their toes on the same corners of the same beds over and over again, never learning this lesson, never learning from their own past mistakes. We all bring our mistakes with us to this place. We all fall short of God's glory, but we can learn the lessons of our past. We don't have to continue to repeat the same mistakes. Whatever mistake you have in your life or from your family's heritage or whatever you've seen from others, you, don't have, you can learn from those. God wants you to learn from those. And so the question for Israel was, will I Will we learn from the mistakes of the past? The second question to ask at the crossroad is this. Will we live by fear or by faith? Will we live by fear or faith? Let's go to verse 6, where the Bible says, Be strong and courageous. Don't be terrified or afraid of them. 
For the Lord your God is the one who will go with you. He will not leave you or abandon you. Did you know uh, the term fear not or something like that, one of the phrases like fear not, is used at least 365 times in the Bible. At least 365 times. So whatever it is you're facing fear about today, you don't have to. I mean, there's a fear not for this very day. There's a fear not for this very day. And you don't have to live in fear. The Lord reminds us that he has removed from us that, that great enemy of fear. In fact, the great fears, you know, some, some people say that the great fears or death is one of the great fears. And for some people, they say it's public speaking. And may I say, if you were in my position looking out at you, you would understand the fear. I mean, some of you are the scariest looking people I have ever seen in my life. Just looking at you right now, just you're frightening, terrifying in many ways. But death is this great enemy. We say, what greater fear could there be than death? And the Bible says, because of what Christ did for us. We don't have to live in fear of death. Christ not only died for us on the cross, he rose from the grave. And he gives us the promise that by his power, when we trust Christ as Savior, we can be forgiven even of the, even of the, fear, even of the penalty of sin and death itself is defeated. And so the grave, the old enemy, it's not... While we recognize the pain that comes with that, we realize the problems and the separation, we, we don't even have to live in fear of that because of God's promises. Now, I'm thankful that the Lord talks to us about living by faith instead of by fear. He tells us two things here. He's talking to Israel and to us. He says, be strong. Be strong and courageous, he says in verse 6. I watch sometimes the show, the world's strongest man competition. You ever see that? I mean, these guys, like, pull buses and throw heavy things and pick up giant rocks. Sometimes it's won by, several times it's been won by people from this little, men from this little tiny island, Iceland. And there's just these massive strong beasts that come from this little island. I guess they're used to picking up rocks there or something. Or, and there's, you see that kind of strength. And you say, man, wouldn't it be great to be that strong? But listen, come, here's what the Bible says for us spiritually. We are all weak. No matter how strong you may, you may, maybe you're from Iceland. Great. You were all weak. In comparison, we're all weak. In fact, if you think you're strong, spiritually speaking, you'll just depend upon yourself. And that's when you are sure enough weak. And when you recognize instead, no, I am weak. I am prone to wonder. I am unable to accomplish what God wants me to accomplish in my own strength, and I depend upon God instead. Listen, God is strong, and he can handle whatever. There are some situations in life that are just greater than you. You've got some problems. You've got maybe a past that's just bigger than you, but it's not bigger than God. And so the Bible says here, be strong. You find the strength of the Lord, and he is able to handle everything you will face. And the Bible says, be courageous. It's talking about not living in fear overcoming fear. Fear is an easy enemy, but we can overcome it. We can find courage. We can continue to do the right thing. Even when fear is there, we can choose to live by faith instead of by fear. This uh, Thursday night, I got to speak to our YAs. We call them the YAs, young adults. And it's a, it's a the group of people just right after they graduate high school, and most of them in their 20s spill a little beyond that. And So that 20-something crowd, we used to just, m m many of them single um, we, it's just 
we did not do a great job as a church reaching that age group for a long time, and it's just been encouraging. And if you're a 23-year-old single guy or gal, it just there's just been great to see that the spiritual growth and the, the number of people coming to that worship for them. It's just been encouraging. I told them a story that night that I want to tell to the rest of you too. So that generation, of course, the 20-somethings, uh, they weren't here in World War II, of course, and I wasn't born in World War II. But we had a uh, World War II veteran at the last service. He'll be 100 years old next month, Lord willing, 100 years old. Served in World War II. Man, not very many World War II vets left. And if you know anything about World War II, you may know about D-Day when on the June the 6th of 1944, Allied forces landed on the beaches of Normandy. Under great, under great punishment, sacrifice, they took those beaches and eventually would spread through Europe and take all the way to Germany. But on that morning, long before dawn, um, a, a group of men, people in the airborne, were, were, flew over and were dropped behind enemy lines. Some of you I read the book called Band of Brothers. Some of you may have seen the television series called Band of Brothers based on this true story of a company called the Easy Company in the 101st Airborne. And they, early, middle of that night before D-Day, they were flown behind enemy lines, parachute out, and then attacking positions that were going to be uh, lobbing artillery onto the beaches, et cetera. And the Easy Company just did remarkable things. Highly decorated group. I mean, just young men thrown behind enemy lines uh, to fend for themselves. It's, a, it's an amazing story. And one of the, one of the men, late, many years later as an old man, was asked this question by his granddaughter. The question was this. Grandpa, she said, were you a hero in the war? Were you a hero in the war? And he said this. He said, no. But I was in a company of heroes. I was in a company of heroes. I want to I ask you to get in the company of some heroes. We live in a world where right has been called wrong and wrong has been called right. Get in the company of some heroes. Find some heroes who will help you to stand strong in the face of a culture that's running from God. Find some heroes who will help you to follow the narrow uphill path instead of the broad way that leads to destruction. Find some heroes who will help you to stand on the truth of God and not on the changing culture, sands of the culture. Find some heroes who will encourage you to do the right thing instead of the popular thing. Find some heroes who will encourage you to read the Bible for yourself and help you to understand what it says and how it applies to your life. Find some heroes who will help you to live by faith instead of living by fear, who will help you to trust God instead of following blindly this world. There is a, there's a, this important question when we stand at the crossroads, will we live by fear or by faith? It takes some faith to say, I'm going to share 
the message of the gospel in our society. It takes some faith to say, I'm going to help other people know the message of the gospel. I'm going to point people to the only answer of this world, to stand strong in a culture that's going wrong. I, I want to live by faith. I want to ask you to live by faith instead of by fear. There's a third question to ask as we stand at the crossroads. Will you go forward on God's better path? Will you go forward on God's better path? In verse uh, 7 uh, Moses, the Bible says, then summoned Joshua and said to him in the sight of all Israel. So he's going to speak to Joshua. And he's going to tell him to do three things. First, he says, be a good leader. And in front of everyone, in the sight of all Israel, he says to Joshua, you be strong and courageous. You lead well. I'm not able to go forward any longer. Joshua, who you may remember was one of the two spies who had gone 40 years earlier into the uh, Israel and brought back the good report who said we can live by faith we can trust God I know the enemy seems uh, insurmountable but God's bigger than our problems God's bigger than the enemy we can trust God and now 40 years later Joshua is the one who's called to go forward and Moses says you'd be a good leader and you lead well you'd be a strong leader you'd be a courageous leader you go with these people you lead them if you're a parent God has called you to be a leader. Set the right example. Teach the truth to your children. Stand for right in the culture. Help them to see who God is. Live out by your own faith. We, we recognize already you're an imperfect parent. Your children are imperfect children. But the Lord has placed you in that leadership responsibility, and you be a parent who leads them well. If you teach a life group class, teach it well. Teach God's Word carefully and clearly and powerfully. Be a good leader. One of the reasons Easy Company was such a recognized company was because they had some tremendous leaders. A guy named Dick Winters was a, an unassuming but great leader. He just, he, he was willing to lead by example, and he, and he did hard things. They had a group of NCOs who were just outstanding, brave men, courageous men who did the right things at the right time and who cared about others and not just themselves. You be that kind of leader. God wants to use you. And in your sphere, in your school, in your job, God places you there to be a Joshua in their lives. And then he says, trust God with your future. In verse 7, he said, be strong and courageous for you will go with this people into the land the Lord swore to give to their ancestors. You will enable them to take possession of it. He's saying, man, Joshua, trust God with that future. That seems like a big thing, doesn't it, to trust God with your future? I, 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 I can get just as pessimistic as anyone else about the future of our nation and our culture and our world, but, but I know who holds the future. I know who holds it. It felt so daunting to me. I gave my life to Christ when I was a boy. I repented of my sins and placed my faith in Christ as a boy. And if you've not yet trusted Christ, you're, maybe you're a grown man or woman here who's not yet given your life to Christ. We want to urge you to trust him. But I trusted him as a boy. I heard the message of the gospel. I repented of my sins and trusted Christ. But I'm telling you, as an 18 or 19-year-old boy, I knew God was just dealing with me as kind of a spiritual crossroads. I want you to trust me with, with your future, the Lord was saying in effect. I want you to trust me with your future. I didn't even know what that future would be. I didn't know what job that meant. I didn't know what kind of direction that would take. God just wanted me to give him a blank check on my future. I mean, just a, all right, I don't even have to know God. Just say yes. 
Doesn't that seem intimidating? I look back now and I'm so thankful for any moment when I followed the Lord because I recognized that God knew what he was doing and I could trust him with my future. But as an 18-year-old and 19-year-old, it seemed awfully intimidating. For some of you, as you think about the future, as you think about saying yes to God, and you don't even know what the question is yet. You don't know what God wants for you. You don't know where God's going to lead you. But just saying yes to him seems so intimidating. What will people think? What will people say? What will God want me to do? It seems so daunting, so difficult. But listen, you can trust God with your future. And I say to you now, years later, I am thankful when I trusted God with my future, and you will be too. You can trust him with whatever he wants for you. Israel couldn't see that very well. They got to the brink of the promised land, and they turned back because they, weren't, they didn't trust God enough to say, all right, God, yes. And now, 40 years later, finally, they're going to say yes to the Lord, and they could trust him. They would find when they trusted God, God is trustworthy. And then Moses said to Joshua, remember God's presence. Verse 8 is a great verse. The Lord is the one who will go with you. The Lord is the one who will go before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or abandon you. Do not be afraid or discouraged. He's saying, Joshua, man, you, you don't have to go alone. God's going to go with you. God's going to go before you. This is one of the great truths of the Christian life. God is not just out there somewhere. But when you trust Christ as Savior, God is in here, right there right there. He doesn't just say, hey, go off. Good luck. I'll check back in with you later. He's right there in you, giving you the power to take the step of faith that you need to take, helping you to trust him, going with you, before you, every battle that you face, every problem you have to overcome, every difficulty of your, of your history, every, every brokenness that you brought with you to this place. He's there if you'll trust him as Savior, the Lord will live in you. And if you've given your life to Christ, he is right there. So trust him with your future. Give him the blank check on your life. God, I don't even know what you want for my future. I just know I can trust you with it. I can trust you with it. So instead of trusting the culture, I'm going to trust Christ. I'm going the way of the cross. I'm going with the one who loves me and cares for me and the one who's prepared a plan for me and the the God who's going to lead me on this journey, even though it's sometimes uphill instead of downhill, even though it's sometimes difficult to follow the Lord, it's right. I'm going to ask you to follow him and say yes to him today. Will you bow with me for a word of prayer? And as we pray, maybe you've never trusted Christ as Savior, and the Holy Spirit is just convicting you today. You're a sinner who needs to be saved. Would you give your life to Christ today? Would you repent of your sin? Place your trust in Jesus who lived for you, who died for you, who rose from the grave for you, and ask him to save you, and he'll save you. Christ is able to save you. Give your life to Christ today. Christian, would you say yes to the Lord's plans and purposes for you? I don't know all of what God wants for your future. I don't know all of what the future holds, but I know God holds that future, and he'll lead you every step of the way. He'll lead you on the path he has for you. It might be a hard path, and it might be uphill, but it's the right path. And deep inside is the path your soul is searching for. Would you say yes to him? And Father, we want to thank you for this great story in the Bible, this great truth. As Israel stood at the crossroads again, deciding whether they would follow you. Lord, there are some here who are standing at a crossroads in their own life. 
deciding whether or not they will follow you or live by faith or by fear, whether they will go your way or the world's way. And would you, Lord, call us to your path, to your better plan, to your better purposes. And we'll just give you the praise and the glory for what you'll do in Jesus' name. Amen.